Welcome to Coaching the Whole Educator, the podcast that helps instructional coaches, teacher leaders, and school leaders. I'm Becca, former educator and school coach turned transformational coach of coaches. I'm on a mission to help you improve your educators' effectiveness and resilience, especially the ones who need it most. Each week, we'll cover quick tips, strategies, and coaching mindsets so that you can be on top of your coaching game. Are you ready? Let's dive in. And now a word from our sponsor. Hey coaches, have you ever wished you could clone yourself to save time? If your answer is yes, the Sydney platform might be right up your alley. With my own work, I use the Sydney platform to connect with my coaches and leaders and stay organized when I'm not there. The app is super easy to use, and I love the video feature where teachers can film lessons and coaches and leaders can record video reflections. This app saves me a ton of time and is a game changer in terms of being able to truly connect to my people in between visits when I'm not there. I can even stay organized with the individualized resources section for each person I'm coaching all in one place. And I don't know about you, but I like to try something before I buy it. Because of that, I've gotten Sydney to let you try the platform for free first to see if it's actually a good fit. If you're interested, go to sydney.com slash TWE to check it out and claim your free coaching package. That's S-I-B-M-E dot com forward slash T-W-E or click the link in the show notes. Hello, 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 coaches and leaders. I have Alyssa Crabtree on with me today, and I have been wanting to talk about this topic for a while. We are going to talk about what happens beyond the coaching cycle. Often, I think coaching gets oversimplified into this, like, just follow these three steps and you too can have teachers improve. And it is it is not that simple. So first, before we jump into this topic, I want to welcome you to the show, Alyssa. Uh, thank you, Becca. I'm like super stoked to be here because just like you, I am fascinated with this topic. And uh, I've been in education for 16 years. 12 of that, I've been an instructional coach. And currently I work with school districts and principals and coaches on that coaching sustainability and what happens after the coaching cycle. Mm -hmm. I love that. So I want to talk about what you and I have both been experiencing when we've been in Mm -hmm. schools, working with coaches and leaders, the frustrations, right, that are shared with us many times. That's what, what the conversation starts with. What are your frustrations, right? And I'd love to hear what have people been sharing with you about uh, when when change is not sustained? What, what's been happening? The biggest concern that I have been receiving is it's just another box to check off. Mm-hmm. And teachers are viewing it as, well, I'm going to be compliant. This is just one more thing that I have to do. And there's not a true investment in coaching and that continual learning. And so as soon as a teacher's done with the coaching cycle, they're like, all right, I'm done. I did my thing. I did it. You can put it on my observation. Mm-hmm. And and that is heartbreaking to me because even then after the coaching cycle, things that were learned, as soon as it gets hard, it's it's human nature 
to go back to what we have been programmed to do. Yeah, exactly. Right. Right. And you know what? One of the things I, I mean, I say it at the end of every episode, but I think it's so relevant to talk about, which is don't treat people the way you want to be treated, treat them how they want to be treated. And one of the things that often gets forgotten is most of the time, coaches and leaders were enthusiastic teachers. They operated under a growth mindset, love to learn, love to improve, um, and were driven to improve, right? Like it was a natural, intrinsic drive to improve. Everyone's not like that. No. And so to assume, so what happens with this compliance culture is like, I'm just really trying to break this down. The nuances of this is if, you know, Alyssa, you're my teacher, I'm your coach, right? I show up and I'm, I was a driven teacher and now I'm coaching teachers, right? Working with adults, different people. And, um, I approach you like, oh, well, I, I love to learn, right? So I'm going to approach you assuming you love to learn. My set of behaviors are going to be different than if I was aware that if I, first of all, did uh, the work to figure out, do you find the change we're creating relevant? Step one, do you find this relevant, right? And and let's not assume that you do just because I find it relevant, right? And how, like, what if you do find this change relevant, period. That is actually the first step. It, it goes back to, like, you hit the nail on the head with that relevancy, if I don't find it relevant and you can tell me all the reasons it is relevant, but unless you sit down with me and ask me those reflective questions about my greatest headaches, because remember as humans, if we're going to invest in something, it's because we want to solve a problem. And so those reflective questions are so essential so that the individual can paint a picture of their biggest headache and what's driving them crazy every single day and what's help making them lose sleep. And then what do I want? Mm-hmm. What would be my ideal? And when we can paint that picture or help them paint that picture, we're getting more motivation to invest. And the first step, just like you said, was the coach or leader needs to listen to the teacher and find out what is important to them. What are their pain points? What are, what frustrates them? Yep. You know, while you were saying that one of the most beautiful things that I did see an administrator do, and I wish if any principals are listening, do this, but when they were coming up with their um, campus improvement plans, which I think are extremely problematic to begin with because there's 20 million goals and no one knows what those goals are. But when they were developing that, the principal sat the entire staff down and had them talk about their greatest pains. And this was like a three hour conversation. And we were going in and we were digging in and doing a root cause analysis. Why, 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 why? And eventually the whole campus came up with a goal that not necessarily might have been like, oh, I don't know if we can, but everyone believed in the pain point, this was the root cause of the pain point, and they were willing to invest time to try to solve that pain point, which was beautiful because it might not have been the goal that they chose themselves, but they invested in the relevancy, and that is what matters. Mm-hmm. There's a couple of things you, things you said that I loved. One is that like they took three hours to listen to what the teacher's pain points are, and the teachers weren't labeled as complainers. They 
they got to voice, they got to have a voice and what is happening in the classroom. And that honors someone's human experience of coming to work. Mm-hmm. 100%. Right. And then I love that you do the root cause analysis. I'm really a big, it's really important that we get to the root cause of ineffectiveness of breakdowns in classrooms and schools. And I love that you said that the why, 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 why people are like, people are always ask me, how do I change mindsets? And I'm like, that is a full day workshop. But it, it really it, is. Yeah, it's, really, it's like, it's, it's, it's not, you know, it's not follow this protocol. You don't follow the protocol to shift mindsets. There's a lot of work that goes into it. Really important work. But what I love, if I'm, I'm like, look, if you're looking for the thing for me to tell you, the one thing I'll leave you with is ask, keep asking why. We could find systemic issues within schools by continuing to ask why and answer it. And yeah. I, I love that you do that work with schools as well. Well, and it really, it just goes into the relevancy, uh, investing in the relevancy Mm-hmm. And when we do that, we we want to continue to grow in it in, a, in our own way. Mm-hmm. Exactly. And so the teacher's experience, right? And I, the thing I want to encourage everyone listening is start to understand the whole teacher's experience throughout the day. What is one teacher's experience when they step into work and they, they're getting feedback potentially from different people? Maybe they're not getting feedback at all except for for the one evaluative right? Like that's, that's problematic as well. Yeah. Anytime that I work with uh, administrators, the first thing that I do is I draw this picture. I wish I had it with me right now, but it's this, it's like 10 funnels at the top and there's like water coming out of those 10 funnels, but the 10 funnels go into one and they spill over onto the campus. And then what happens is it all goes down to the teacher. So you have these 10 funnels that go down to the principal that then adds more funnels that go into the teacher. And so this is this is the root cause of teachers leaving the profession. Is pay an issue? Absolutely. But if we treated them like humans, they mm-hmm. wouldn't be so concerned about the pay mm-hmm. because right. they have... 20 million messages, mandates coming at them. So when admin goes in, district goes in, coaches go in, other teachers go in. We all use one form. Mm -hmm. Well, there was some pushback on that from the leaders of the campus. So some are using Edgeforia, some are using the Google form, some are using paper. And what has now happened is they are receiving feed. They have to go to multiple places for Mm -hmm. feedback and the feedback is contradictory. Mm. So if I'm working on one goal with my coach, but then an AP comes in and they tell me start working on something else. Mm -hmm. And then a district person comes in and tells me to start like that is overwhelming. And one of the big shifts that I told the teacher, because we know the problem, but I was like, look at the benefit. If y'all all use the Google form, teachers, humans are motivated by competence. They want to know that they can do something and that they are making progress. So if as a coach, I'm working with the teacher on a goal and it's happening and it's working, but they don't see the changes yet because, you know, when you're in the thick of it, you don't necessarily see the changes. But then a district leader comes in and they looked at that Google Doc and they see this is what the teacher is working on. So that's the only thing I'm going to leave them feedback on. Oh, my gosh. Ten extra kids were doing this now. 
And then an AP, you're motivating the teacher because you're building that competence uh, efficacy, I guess, like that confidence that I can do this. And, um, you know, it's just, it's so powerful when we align and get everyone moving in the same direction. That's why teachers are leaving because they're (laughs) overwhelmed. They're overworked. There's too much on them and they're getting 20 million messages. Yeah. Which is poor leadership. If we're going to say, call, call, call it the thing that it is, that's poor leadership. Yes. Um, and I, I've done similar work with leaders where I've said, name all of your initiatives. And then I also say, name what your last, what your professional developments have been for the school year or even last school year. What the question I ask them is, what would your teachers say you think is important? And actually that's a hard question for them to answer. But then I follow it up with, professional developments have you been running? That's what they think you think is important. Yep. Right? So what we talk about is what they think is important. (laughs) And that goes back to district is probably telling the administrators what Mm -hmm. to say, but they're also getting Mm -hmm. this coordinator and this coordinator and this superintendent. Mm -hmm. And so it it does. It's just too many priorities, Mm -hmm. too many things that are important. Mm -hmm. Not everything can be important. No, not everything can, right? And for the coach and leader to do the synthesis and the legwork to say, okay, what are all the things we have said are important? How do we tie them together? How do we align them? Do some of these things not need to be focused on this year? Yeah. Because what's detrimental is focusing on all of them. Yep. That's what, and that is what has happened because of all the compliance mandates that are placed on schools. Mm -hmm. And so they are valuing the compliance pieces, which let's be honest, those compliance pieces don't impact student learning. Mm -hmm. They're just paperwork. Right. And that is, that is frustrating. Very frustrating. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah, it is. This is such a great conversation. I think this is a conversation that's needed to be had around how do we sustain change? So what are some things that you do in schools that you have that we haven't chatted about? I know you do really great alignment work. What are other things that you do in schools to help coaches go beyond the coaching cycle? When they come to you, they say, well, I did a coaching cycle and they reverted back to their previous behaviors. What do you say and do with them? So there's a couple of things. The first one that I do is I I make everyone take a pause. And I think because schools are so busy, as soon as the school year starts, everyone hits the ground running. And I want to have a mind shift of we need to go slow to go fast. So I'm always encouraging coaches and professional learning communities, we have to stop and get to know one another. And we need to know the individual, we need to know the human. And so understanding one another's values, and I I have received pushback before, like, we ain't got time for that. Mm -hmm. We don't need the fluff, like I'm tired of the fluff. And I'm not talking about team building activities where you stick marshmallows and spaghetti noodles together. Mm -hmm. Like, I'm not talking about that. What I'm talking about are those one-on-one conversations to understand what do you truly desire in your classroom? What is it that you want for students? What is What do you value as an educator and as a human? And what's your learning style? Like these are some things that we have to take the time 
to get to know one another. So I always tell my coaches at least 10 minute one-on-one conversations with every teacher that you coach. Do not provide a single ounce of feedback until you've had that meeting because that's that personal connection. So it really is teaching coaches how to build a coaching relationship with the teacher and find the the route, the value, the incentive for them to keep going. And that's what it is. Um, it's human work, which is which can be hard. Yeah, yeah. And it's, you know, I think about motivations and there's lots of different, you know, and it and it's it's, you know, we're asking coaches and leaders to understand also what motivates their teachers, like what's important to them, what motivates them, what is motivating that behavior. I think that's one of the most empowering mm-hmm. things we can ask ourselves about someone else. Well, and it's empower it, it's empowering for the teacher to mm-hmm. sit with a coach. And they unpack why they're resistant because oftentimes we might not even understand what motivates our own selves. Mm -hmm. And so if I'm able to unpack that with the teacher and in that state they're again, they're being vulnerable, but then they're like, oh my gosh, I see this now. And now, you know, I see this. And so there is that connection between the coach and the teacher to work together, to move forward and um, just taking the time to know the human mm-hmm. and, and yeah. helping them understand what motivates them. Because honestly, I didn't understand what motivated me for a really long time. I probably would have mm-hmm. just told you money. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> I, wa- I want my paycheck. That's mm-hmm. I don't want to get fired. That's mm-hmm. what I would have told you. But it really goes so much deeper than that. Mm-hmm. In this conversation, I just put together, it's funny, I've never like put it so succinctly, but resistance is a form of protection. 100%. And I just never put it so succinct. It's just so interesting. Like if we look at resistance, not as like they're trying to make my life hard, right? Or they just don't want to follow my directions, whatever it is. It's actually, they're just protecting themselves for lots of different reasons, but it's a form of protection. If we start to see teachers as, as humans that are just trying to keep themselves safe, right? Like, Ooh, this change, it it feels like a threat. Yep. Isn't that interesting? Oh, well, I've always said that as, um, I, I was a theater major. So like, I've always, I love theater. I love the arts and I'm like, teaching is a performance art. And you are a performer. And so when anyone comes in and they critique your art, something that you created, that's vulnerability. And so people need to understand when you come in and you might even just say something as small as one itty bitty suggestion to tighten something up. That's a critique. That's a criticism on your art. And so you have to tread lightly with that. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. So um, this has been such an awesome conversation. We need to wrap it up now. Um, but I I, uh, I want you to let everyone know where can they find you if they want to learn more about what you do and the work you're doing. 
Yeah. So my website is crabtreecoachingcollaborative.org, kind of long, Crabtree Coaching Collaborative. And um, <clears throat> excuse me. And so you can find me on all social platforms. I am on YouTube with Crabtree Coaching Collaborative. And uh, then I'm on Instagram, Facebook, LinkedIn. Just look up Crabtree Coaching Collaborative and you will find me. I love it. And you and I are going to do a, a YouTube live. Yeah. We're going to do one very soon. Yes, I'm excited about that. So um, thank you so much for being on the show and sharing like just your your wealth of knowledge and your wealth of experiences. I think it's super um, helpful to hear what, you know, what is being experienced in lots of schools all over. So thank you so much. Thank you, Becca. So my call to action to you, my beautiful listeners, is to look at the changes you're looking to make in your school building and ask yourself, are they sustainable? What is our sustainability plan? How are we intentionally building in systems and structures so that this change stays? And if you are looking to utilize this podcast as free professional development, if you'd like to help others grow as well, feel free to check out our podcast playlist, which is a collections of episodes organized according to a topic. And until next time, just remember, don't treat people the way you want to be treated. Treat them how they want to be treated. Take care.